Welcome back to another edition of the Power Podcast. This week I'm joined by Bertie. Hi, how's it going? And Forty. G'day, fellas. And Ham. Mm-hmm. Sorry, <clears throat> sorry about that. I've just uh, I've caught finals fever. Oh. <laughs> For a second, I was worried. I was worried for a second. I was like, where are you? (laughs) That's a, you know, if we end up busting him, that's going to be a suspension for next year, mate. Fair enough. Um, All right. And your host, Hamish, let's jump straight into it. So to start off with, there was no flag because it was the top, was it top five? Top five. Yeah, top five. Yeah. Um, so we'll start with the knock-on effect, New South Wales Cup. Bulldogs coming out victors 18-6 to over the Eels in that grade. Uh, Zach Sini and Jordan Rankin uh, kicking the conversion, but uh, not good enough. Boys, you were out there. Um, at least one of you were. Uh, do you want to just give us a run? No, uh, nobody's I, I was, out of St. I was, I was following along on the live stream. I had way too much to do, way too much stuff to do at home, and I hate going to St. Mary's. So I uh, made the, the soft call and watched it from home. Uh, yeah, this one was frustrating, boys. We played arguably our worst football of the season in the game that mattered the most. Test It was testing conditions, very wet and greasy, uh, but Canterbury came out full of energy. We matched them through the opening periods when it was, you know, the vanilla stuff going set for set. But once they started attacking down our left edge, down their right edge, and throwing a few different looks and second phase for our ball, we just fell apart. And we just couldn't get out of second gear. We couldn't do anything outside of basic shapes and structures. We kept playing through Jack Williams, who, you know, God bless him, has been really solid for us this year, but isn't our primary playmaker uh, when we have Jacob Arthur and Jordan Rankin there. And for whatever reason, we just kept playing through Jack's hands and just kept the game playing very vanilla, and the dogs just ate it up. And they just, you know, they won the collisions. They brought the extra intensity. And, yeah, even when we kept getting ourselves into the arm wrestle, we just couldn't do anything with it because we just kept going back to, you know, really basic football, which, you know, at some point you have to mix it up if it's not working. Ham, did you have some thoughts? No, I was uh, having um, Father's Day dinner with my grandfather up on – Lovely Swansea, so I did not see any of the match. I was having a good time eating a big chicken schnitzel. So you you made the right call there. Uh, I'm just trying <laughs> to think in terms of anyone that stood out in this game, boys, because it was rough. Um, you know, we 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 just fell off a lot of tackles. Our left edge got absolutely eaten up by Zach Docker Clay and their fullback Credence Toyer, I think it is. Uh, the, you know, the forwards were busy. Kai Rodwell and Ellie Osgaham. Very solid production. Ogden, Matelli, Cartwright, all over 100 metres, all those forwards. So the, the forwards were getting through their work. But just, like I said, way too vanilla. It was either crash ball or turned inside towards a, like to a bomb at the end. And, you know, we just the, – the, the one time we did decide to go, you know, through Arthur primarily, we scored a try down uh, Sini side of a great, you know, little shift from the left, which feeds a big cutout pass from Arthur with a gorgeous little tip on by Bowie Simonson to Zach Sini. Who uh, finished it off? But yeah, I, I don't know what happened, why they kept it so bland. But the the dogs just ate it up. And after two games prior to this, we we were just pipped by the dogs, you know, for differing reasons. I thought maybe this would be the one we could get against them. But yeah, they just had way more hunger, way more energy in this game. And yeah, no surprise to them run out the two score difference. Oh, I see that. I didn't know Docker Clay played. He ran for nearly two hundred meters. What position was he playing? He was in the halves, I believe. Jeez. Yeah. Um, well, at least he was popping pop up on the right ed- their right edge a lot, and he absolutely carved us up. Yeah, like I said, he and Credence Toya had a field day. Toya went for 250, broke a whole stack of tackles as well, um, and we just we didn't have it. Yeah, we just, we could not. And like some of the stuff we were falling for was really bad. So I I know that uh, I had Tony Mattelli marked down for one of the initial breaks. I don't know who else was responsible 
throughout the course of the game because it was not pretty. But when when you bleed that many points, it's very rarely just an individual player. It's usually a collective, right? So. Uh, yeah, it sounds like a team effort. And sorry, I should have gone from the top. Apologies for last week. Uh, we we just all had crossed up uh, schedules last week. I was starting um, to get finals Tuesday, fever Wednesday. last week. <laughs> yeah, he was coming down with the finals fever last week. Um, I, I was crazy with work. Um, Bertie and – well, I think, Bertie, you were rearing to go both days. Um, yeah, Bertie. We should have just given Bertie the solo We should have. <laughs> he, he, he's been fantastic as the co-host a couple of times between me and you when he's had to work alongside Ever Russ. I want to see him go solo and just go hard. No, I was actually you know, not going to lie. I was panicking a bit. I had to be careful what I say. Um, I actually had, actually had to do research. You know, it was like studying the HSC again. I had to figure out whose name, what position they play. Like, I don't know how Brave does it. He does he does a cracking job on NRL three hundred and sixty. We'll make yeah. a we'll make a right, sports um, host out that, of you. That's, that's an interesting take. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's jump into. Um, so now that the apologies out of the way. Um, we should be cracking on each week. Um, I might be interrupted by the kids, but we'll see how we go. Um, so let's have a look at the Telstra Women's Premiership. Newcastle eighteen over the Eels sixteen. Uh, Rakea Horn Testains. Uh, sorry, Rakea Horn getting a double there. Uh, Talia Preston getting two from three conversions. And can I just say the officiating in this game Good was absolutely God. atrocious. Um, we absolutely got bottled um, with so many different calls during this game. I've never seen. Um, well, sorry, I shouldn't say that. We've seen so many bunker fuck-ups this year where they, they somehow find something that isn't there. Um, in, and, and this is in, a, in a light, prime example in this game. In light of something else we're probably going to discuss later on this podcast because it pertains to our NRL team's upcoming game, I am more and more convinced than ever that I don't want to say outright match-fixing, but there is some serious bias and favoritism going on across this code that is concerning. Because what we saw in this game, I, I usually hold true to the adage, don't mistake for malice that which can be adequately explained by incompetence. If someone's just in, bad at their job, it's because they're bad at their job, not because they're trying to screw you over. But good Lord, this game had some cause where you're like, how? How? From the Parramatta Reels initial challenge, where I believe it was uh, Zawi Faye who was like actively tackled by the, the play the ball runner who then lost the ball to Newcastle having their own challenge in very similar circumstances where they'd lost the ball and they somehow managed to pin Taylor Preston for it uh, to the, the most egregious one of them all, the uh, Taylor Pred- uh, Predabon try, where at no point was that ball grounded with control. And yet, you know, the, the bun- and went up as a no try. And the, the man in the bunker, Noyan, I believe it is, Matt Noyan, went out of his way trying to find a frame where it could, you know, even be remotely construed and never found one but still said, yeah, she grounded the ball. We got well, the, the thing was, he kept saying, looking for a angle that shows she's held the ball. Yeah. Well, if you're looking for an angle she, and it's taken you three minutes, she probably hasn't held the ball. Yeah. We got absolutely hosed. And it's a damn shame too, because that's two weeks where, and I'm, I'm not saying we're, we're playing, you know, top tier football or anything, but they were highly competitive. They, you know, chased the collisions, that phrase that we love to use this year. They were, you know, right into this up to the eyeballs, having, you know, taken the lead early and then rested it back in the 41st minute after that Predabon try or no try that shouldn't have existed. And yet it wasn't enough because of the bunkers, multiple uh, different interferences in this game, which were huge because, you know, not, not to mention that that initial Zali Faye incident they referred to Newcastle had the penalty from that. And they went on to score their opening points with Tamika Upton. So that's two tries that were spotted by the bunker in this game for the Newcastle Knights. You had to look at the reaction from the Knights player who scored 
she was like, are you serious giving this a try? She was in shock. Like, I don't, you know, I reckon there's favoritism. You look at the Knights, who are the players? They've got Tamika Upton, you know, one of the best fullbacks in the game, you know, a Queensland rep star. Millie, Bo- Millie Boyle, who won, you know, the NRLW DLM of the year. Like, we're, we're I'm not saying we're nobodies, but we're like the, one of the new teams in the comp. This is our first year. You know, you can tell, like, our superstars in our team is, you know, our center Penetana and, um, our, you know, rugby convert. Like, we've, and I'm not disrespecting our team, but it, like in the NBA, they have superstar calls for MV, you know, for mm-hmm. all star players. They get like, you know, ticky tacky fouls. I reckon we get dudded, and you only have to look at that game as a neutral. And even Twitter was blowing up, so it's it's, it's a shame. It's a shame. And I mean, Ham, I know there's some inflection to this too. Another game where we didn't do a good job of getting Gal Broughton into it, but that is also on her too, isn't it? Yeah, I was, I was noticing it more really this game where you know, saying, "Oh, we've got to get the ball in hands." She parks herself. Right next to the ruck when we're on attack, and it's just like, you know, I understand you're working out the game, you're working out the team, and everything. But we saw last week when we played the Dragons, who were the best team in the competition, or second best team in the competition. She was out on the left. She worked with Tiana Penitani, just three passes to her, and she was getting the ball in space. Even this one, like, I just, I just want to know what what we're trying to achieve with her in the team. Is it is she only supposed to take kick returns? Is she supposed to then set up for the fifth and last where she takes a kick? Um, is she supposed to be the focal point of our attack? Because at the moment she's just she's not getting the touches there, and I th- I'm not sure if it's it's probably a little bit of column A and column B, yeah. where we're not getting getting her the ball into space, but she's also not providing the opportunity for us to get her the ball into space, sort of thing. So, do you reckon it's fitness? Like is she yeah. is she fit enough to play fullback? Should be fit. You're right, but it could also be, I think, surprising because rugby league is a very unique code when it comes to the, the athletic demands, both aerobic and anaerobic. There, you know, there are codes like NFL where it's all short term anaerobic explosion sort of fitness, and you just got to repeat it. And there are codes like AFL and whatnot where it's more aerobic. League has the collisions and the up downs that you know just test you. And even playing sevens, it's really short burst stuff. So. Maybe she isn't as uh, conditioned as she would have hoped for this, but that'll be a teaching point in and of itself. Um, yeah, just looking at this game, boys, uh, I thought that, like I said earlier, we were highly competitive. Um, you know, this is two weeks now of, of really tough football where we just fell short, which sucks, but, you know, at least they are building. It's a shame that the season only ends after five rounds because of the, you know, the short nature of it and the fact that it's not double round robin. But the, the girls are showing something here, and I think that, you know, Rakia Horn had another strong game. She's a uh, very, very interesting because she's different to Tiana Penatani, who is, you know, a real downhill centre with a lot of speed. Rakia is probably more, you know, in a phone booth, phone booth, phone booth, uh, sort of. You know, she'll make you miss and then you know beat you with pound for pound strength. I thought the back rolls were pretty solid, in particular Foliaki, who had her best game of the season. And then off the bench, Kendi Chanchin, very strong again. I love the fact that she didn't take any nonsense from the Newcastle pack. And then I think Ruby Jean Kennard had a really nice run at one point alongside the debut of the other Charrington sister, Ruben. Yeah, I thought that uh, Ruby was going to get more minutes. She played really well in the first game there. I would like to get more minutes under a belt. But again, you know, that might be another fitness issue or just coming into the Stepping game. I just thought she provided a real good spark coming off the bench. She, she was ball playing. She was getting smashed by Kessie Apps every time she got tackled, but she was getting back up. Um, I just think, you know, going forward... We need to revamp this team. I think we need a couple more backline players, just different ones, maybe a couple of different forwards too. I'd, I'd love yeah, to see. Yeah, we, we could definitely do some, uh, I think, in the in the engine room in particular, 
I mean, Samaya Taufa is fantastic. I have no issues with her. But I think maybe in the prop department, we could definitely shore them up a fair bit. One player who I think we might be looking to maybe build around is Taylor Preston, boys. 22 years old, very young, but she's been, for mine, fairly impressive how composed she is, not afraid to take on the line. Pretty solid kicking game too, which has been a nice little uh, bonus for me. But, you know, she's not, by no means a, f- a fully complete and dominant playmaker just yet, but I think she's done a very good job stepping into the team on short notice. Is it an yeah. overreaction to say maybe the coach is a problem? Or is that just a typical Parramatta thing? We blame the coach for everything. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great great way to juxtapose it. Because it's, it looks hard, like, look, look at the tell. game. Yeah. It looks like bland football. Not bland football, but like basic football. It looks like Newcastle Knights first grade. It's just, we're, we're just setting up runs. And then besides that Dragons game where, you know, Broughton and Pinatana were linking, I don't see many um, well, exciting plays. It's like an that. interesting question, Brady, because Dino's obviously an incredible human being. He's done some, both as a player and as an off field ambassador, done some incredible stuff for the game. So, yeah, I mean, it's still only two seasons in. Uh, we're not really – I don't know how much to read into that in terms of what sort of influence he has not been, you know, fully involved in the club in terms of the, the recruitment and off-field stuff. But, yeah, how, how big of a leash does he get? That is a very, very fair question. Right. Uh, we're ready to jump into first grade. Yes. Yeah, sorry. I am, um, am doing a mock uh, – not a mock draft, a real draft <laughs> at the fantasy. same time, so eyes on both. Yeah. Um, no pressure. Who, who are you taking the first? Um, I've already got them. So I've got Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, and Michael Pittman. Uh, there was a rush on uh, on wide receivers, but happy so with the two very, rushing backs. Very strong pair of running backs. Yeah, well done. Exactly. Um, all right, well, let's jump into first grade. So the Eels 22 to the Storm 14. Uh, Dill Brown, Will Penasini, make a Sebo, all going on for tries. Mitch Moses, three from three conversions, two from two penalty goals. We were leading 8 nil at halftime, and I think it's fair to say we dominated this game, except for the last 10 minutes where yeah. we sort of just... Uh, Took the call for we, uh, Yeah, I think that's probably a fair assessment. So let's look at some of those key stats. 53% uh, possession. Uh, then we had 28 minutes to the Storm, 24 minutes time in possession. We completed 84%. We were up in the 90s early on. Um, and then all runs, 190, uh, apparently 1,700 run metres each, uh, which doesn't sound right. Uh, but Storm had five line breaks to our three. Tackle breaks, 38 to 27. Uh, play the ball speed, they got half a, sec and half a second quicker. Sorry, I was just making sure it wasn't up to me uh, on the draft. <laughs> and then uh, uh, effective tackles were pretty good. Uh, we missed 38 to the Storm's 27. I th- I, I'm betting most of those came in that last 10-minute period. Mm-hmm. And nine errors to 11, six penalties to eight conceded, two ruck infringements to the Storm, one. Uh, Storm had one inside 10 and one on report. And then we had eight interchange. Storm had nine with one head injury assessment. How did you see it? This, yeah, like you said in the prelude there, Hamish, taking out that last sort of five to ten minutes where we pulled out most of our core forwards and allowed Melbourne to gain the ascendancy through the middle and thus get really, you know, aggressive on the edges, we completely dominated this game. And yes, Melbourne without Jerome Hughes, but they came into this game with a top four berth on the line, you know, fielding a full strength forward pack or close enough to with Cameron Munster in, in real good form with Harry Grant and Brandon Smith there, you know, tearing in to other sides and we whooped their asses. And it's a, a fantastic cap on what was a, a really, really strong turnaround since that embarrassing loss to South Sydney. And, and it's because of it, I think we're coming into the finals the best uh, we ever have in both form and fitness under Brad Arthur, you know, going way back, you know, since he took over in 2014 and, and through the finals in 17, 19, 20 and 21. 
we are tuned up, ready to go now. And this was the perfect way to roll into the finals, take that top four spot, get that second bite of the cherry, kick the Melbourne Storm's ass and become, you know, in rarefied air in terms of beating Melbourne and Penrith twice in the season across the last few years. Yeah, look, we we Melbourne never looked like scoring until the end there. I don't, I don't think so. I don't remember them going over the line or being well, pulled the, back. The couple times try. they did, Mike Aceva absolutely dumpstered Xavier Coates into the sideline. Oh, that that's true. But like that, they, they were never over the line. You know no. what I mean? Like they never, and they never. To me, they never looked like scoring. We just dominated the whole time. We had everything. We just everything was clicking for us. Nothing was clicking for them. But also, we shut down all their plays. Mm-hmm. We shut down Harry Grant. We shut down Cameron Munster. And like, I'm actually surprised. I thought with Jerome Hughes out, if I was Craig Bellamy, I'm the super coach here. I would have put Munster defending in the line because you put him at fullback. He doesn't. He's master at stripping the ball. He's master at being a grub. You put him at fullback. He can't do that. He does. He can't do it. So I would have put him in the front line and then made it. But that anyway, that's just me. Lucky they didn't because I think them would have been a bit closer. Um, yeah, we just we 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 had that we had the game to beat Melbourne. I don't think that even with Hughes in there, like obviously the score probably doesn't blow out as much initially. But I also don't think we let off at the end. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like that Nathan that Penrith match when um, the chin got sent off, and you know we scored a bunch of points and then just let up in the second half. Again, it wouldn't have been as much where we won by, but I still think we would have won. And so. Just a lot of good things. Um, that ball from Gutho to oh, pass of the season or close to uh, that was well. Actually, ridiculous. actually, if you go back to, I think it was the game against Penrith at, at Parramatta Stadium. He throws the exact same ball from the exact same play. He picks the ball up from dummy half and he waits for Toto to come in and he throws a long looping ball to Sivo. Catch, oh is it, yeah, catches it on the chest and scores. If you go back and watch the highlights, which, you, you know, you probably want to, he does the exact same pass. And this was a game really playing to our strengths. And we we just we speak about it all the time. Parramatta know how to beat the best teams now. It just it's a matter of whether they want to do it on a given game. And in this particular contest, geez, they were all up for it. The the three middles, starting middles, Murata Neokori now part of that starting triumvirate with Junior Barlow and Reagan Campbell Gillard completely set the tone. They just dominated Melbourne. Uh Reg played what, fifty ish straight minutes in, in an Incredible show of, you know, Iron Man fitness. Whereas Junior, very strong in his first stint, but came back on for that second stint and completely owned Melbourne. He was just tearing in, went for over 200. Reg was not far off him on 185 meters for his efforts. Um, you know, and Murata being a big part of why the Eels been so good since that loss to South Sydney. They've swapped him and Matter all around, put Matter back to being the primary lock forward, but playing from the bench. And for whatever reason, whether it's the jerseys, the different numbers, but it, it works better the way it does in that configuration. And the Eels look like a completely different team uh, with both Junior Reg and Murata and then Madison coming into the fray. Yeah, it's just, you know, I thought that, well, when you think about it, you got Reg, Junior, Matto all played State of Origin this year, all probably should have played three games State of Origin this year. New South Wales would have won um, if they did. But you'd think those three starting would just, like, tear teams to shreds. But I think I said on the potty that, um, we had no ball playing off the bench. Boom, Matto back to the bench. He can be the big dog there, make take the most runs, throw his passes, throw his hit ups, and he's it works so much better. Like it's it's you know good for us that they worked it out, but you know it's yeah good shit. Uh, Mitchell Moses, Dylan Brown, very good birdie. 
do you like what the halves are doing? Do you like what the spine was doing in general? Because I thought that outside of an errant pass to Murata near Cora, I think it was, I thought this was Reed's best game in some time, while Quentin Gufferson went about, you know, if his business two tries assists, two line break assists. Yeah, like, you know, I've been hammering Reed all season. You know, he, in my opinion, I think he's been playing hero ball, but he's just been doing his job. You know, um, he's, you know, his service at dummy half is a bit slow, uh, but other than that, like, he's just, he's not kicking early. <laughs> That's the main thing. How many times did he used to kick early, put us under pressure? Um, Dylan Brown, you know, his running game is perfect. Uh, you know, he's got a bit of strength to um, in his game. Like, you know, if um, I just feel as though Moses, he just directs his team so well. He keeps, for a guy who's been, you know, criticized for blowing up on the field at teammates or being a level, you know, over, overheated, he just calms his team down. It's a bit ironic, you know, when you look at it, he just, yeah. everything just seems, you know, fluid. Uh, I feel as though um, defensively, you know, this is our best defensive game, even though we let in a couple soft tries in the end. But, like, you look at Munster, he had, like, one, you know, one break in the early in the first half. But, you know, we kept them contained. Like, you know, Harry Grant's and the Queensland hooker, you know, Munster, it was unbelievable for Queensland. We kept them quiet, essentially. And, um, you know, I was, I don't know what it is since the Manly game, but I'm not worried about our edges defense no more rushing in. For some reason, they've just, they're not rushing in. Not so much they're not rushing in. Wanga still has it in him to be, to make me yeah. go, what are you doing? But I think that on the whole, uh, Tom Obertich has done a great job shoring up the left side. And on the right, I think that they've much improved. But I think that maybe the biggest single improvement when it comes to defense on this team is Mike Acevo. Suddenly he is, you know, shut the gate throw him out into the sideline sort of stuff. He absolutely bullied Xavier Coates in this game, gave him the sideline a couple of times and and made him pay for it. So loving what Mike is bringing to the team now. He's cutting the ball up with a bit of authority. Defending well, what like Munster makes, you know, I think he got injured about this time last year, but oh, probably a little bit before. But I was ready to say, see you later. Yeah, we're like, ready to wash our hands of him because uh, obviously not not the last knee injury, but going back towards the Manly game, was it 2020? Hank yeah, Scorpio. Brad Parker. Yeah, Brad Parker, Brad, Parker, Brad Parker got him on the side of the knee, and he just wasn't the same player since. So in a way, maybe that, that later knee injury was a blessing in disguise. It let him get right, get him back to 100%, and he has come back and he's absolutely dominating. He backed himself for that try from the Gufferson pass. Beautiful. Uh, the defense, the, the aerial stuff too. You know, he doesn't catch everything going his way, but he is highly competitive against the best, you know, aerial athletes in the game now. So he's doing some fantastic stuff. Other side of the field, boys, Will Penasini, bombed one, got one. Young centre playing some big-time football. Uh, I think he's doing a pretty good job for the most part. And I think he's starting to – I think he had a, a slower start to this year than he would have liked. But I think he's starting to round back into his best form, even considering that he butchered that one try in the first half. What about the hit yeah, on I think, Moses? Um, oh, I was going to say before we move on, what about the hit on Moses uh, from Olam? Jesus, I – he got up. You know, he's got balls. He got up and he put one on uh, Kenny Bromwich, you know, so – it's more than Tom yeah. Didn can say, boys. Yeah. No? Tell you no. what, didn't he put one on? Um, <laughs> what I did Kenny like Bromwich. is the uh, the uproar from some of the uh, the uh, less educated people in our game saying that that should have been a, a sin bin for Mitch yeah, Moses. What, what's going on there? The guy makes a, a conventional tackle as good as you can get on a big man at running at him, and because his end head end up tucked underneath the chin of Bromwich as he landed, it's a sin bin. Good lord. I mean, I, I do yes, want to, very strange. I, I also want to shout out the home crowd. Uh, it was only twenty four thousand or twenty four and a half, but it felt like it was a full house in terms of the volume. Gave it to Ashley Quine, who was terrible as always, couldn't officiate the rock to save himself. Hence the uh, half a second difference in play to ball speed between the two teams. Gave Quine it to, is a wanker. I did yeah, quite like the chant. Gave it to Nelson <laughs> Sofa Solomon every time he was on or near the ball. 
well, just even featured. Like he was about to come on when Bromwich went off for the HIA. And they started giving it to him. And yeah. started booing him. Yep. I booed him. I booed him I, every I time. I booed him every time, yep. So as he deserves, he's a, a parochial home cheap crowd. shop merchant. And, and he goes, he goes, you know, they're talking about the week before. Oh, the big uh, rivalry between Maria Hargraves and Nas. I want them to both knock their blocks off, but that's the only time those two guys have ever gone after anyone their size or bigger. <laughs> than that. Every other time, it's either a small forward or halfbacks and hookers. That's and you saw it in this game, Nas. He had the late shot on Moses. You know, I thought he was going to get suspended, and I thought, well, that'd be funny that, you know, the nothing, the nothing one he gets suspended for, he didn't. Um, <laughs> but then he grabs Moses by the collar and flings him around and, and all this sort of stuff. And at the end of the game, when Storm still needed two tries to get back to us, where was he? He was hanging out in the back line. Yep. He was hanging out in the back line. That goes to show well, what sort of character the, the, he had. They also moved him from forwards to the edge at some points of the game. I don't know whether to get him out of the physicality of the middle or think it would make a difference going after someone like Mitchell Moses on the edges, and spoiler alert, it didn't. But, yeah, just a guy that big should be, you know, yes, he can be a bit grubby, but he should be dominating the collisions just in a legal manner. And Every he, time he's and he's big, he's athletic, he's strong, he's fast. Like, he should be – he should be – Doing Jason Tamalolo. How, how is he not the best forward, best middle forward in the game or close to? And he's not even in the conversation. So that, I wanted I, I wanted round two between him and Makatoa. <laughs> I think everyone was worried because like Makatoa, you know, he, he's not the biggest, but he doesn't back down, and you, you need that in a team, you know, in a player. Sorry. So. Uh, but yeah, going back to what I was saying, just it, the difference a crowd can bring to a game was very apparent on that Thursday night. It was electric, so I salute everyone that was involved there, and it's a it, it makes me feel so sad that there is a legit chance we won't have a Combank final this year uh, because of the way the, the finals seedings have worked out in Parramatta in fourth place. You know, we win through next Friday or this Friday. We're probably playing at a, a core stadium for, against whoever comes to town for the grand final qualifier. That's right. So, um, you know, it, it's been a very strange season. At times we've ripped our hair out. At times <laughs> we wanted to kill. At, at times we've got our pitchforks out. We've come after each other um, after some of those games. You know, the Bulldogs game comes to mind. West Tigers wasn't as worried about it. It was that one point, you know, and, you know, they were up for that game. Um, it was just one where we didn't play. Uh, but especially the Bulldogs game, you know, a couple of the Souths games. But look, we're in top four. Um, oh, incredible. It's it's pretty crazy that we ended up fourth. Like, um, but and, also, and if you look at the two teams above us, sorry. Oh no, I was going to say, it, isn't it? I mean, not that the narrative was wrong because we were inconsistent to the point, like you said, Hamish, of tearing our hair out at times on the podcast and as fans. But look at the narrative around Parramatta and look where they finished on the ladder. I mean, they were a couple of points short of you know our getting outright second, but they they bested Melbourne, the Roosters, the Rabbitohs. And and yet the the narratives on those yeah, seasons completely different. Oh, sorry, at the table. No, don't worry, don't worry, man. Uh, yeah, completely different. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just it, and the big point, I suppose, is that timing is everything, isn't it? You know, you get your shit into order at the right time of the season, and you can forgive so much else too, because now the Eels come into the finals red hot, you know, fully fit and primed to take on the reigning premiers. That's right. And, you know, you look at the two teams above us, Sharks and Cowboys, you know, their last two months of footy have been soft, pretty inconsistent. Soft. Um, and also pretty soft that, draw. Okay. Yeah, soft draw. I was going to say we're going to point out the soft draw for those two. I mean, you can only beat who's in front of well, you, and I respect well. that. And they obviously beat us. Both teams beat us, although the Sharks, it was, you know, last second on the back of a poor read by Ray Stone, who went on to redeem himself the week later. And for the Cowboys, it was a dream scenario playing us in Darwin. But, yeah, I mean – 
I went back for looking at the Cowboys and ignoring their win over the New South Wales Cup team for the Penrith Panthers. Uh, they hadn't beaten a top eight team or a top four team in like three months, going back to when they took on the depleted Melbourne Storm. So, yeah, they're, they're two teams that have been the benefactors of being a, a mid-table team and thus getting a much easier draw coming to the next season on the back of a good preseason and good recruitment. But, yeah, they're... One team hardly travelled outside of Queensland, uh, Cowboys, and the other team played every top... A bottom eight, sorry, team twice. Look, now the only argument they've got for Sharks is, oh, they can only play in front of them. Okay, that still doesn't mean that just still doesn't mean that they play. They had a weaker draw, you know. Admit, like they played lesser teams, and you know, a couple of years ago we had a softish draw running home, and people were saying, oh, we're not battled hard yet. You know, would I'd rather have the run we had compared to what the you know the Sharks? When's the last time they've been in the now by the game? Was it the Panthers game? That's it, like. They've ha- they've played you know in our game pretty much they've they haven't had any you know grinding games well every game we've had you look at our results besides the dragons game the knights game and the bulldogs game sorry besides the knights dragons the second bulldogs second broncos all of our games have been less than ten points or six points you know they've been a, you know they've gone down to the last minute so I'd rather have our form going in as opposed to the others. Well, you look at their the last top eight team that they played was round twenty against the Rabbits. After that, Dragons, Tigers, Manly, Dogs, Knights. Did they win that game or just just? Oh yeah. Anyway, back to Parramatta. Yeah, well, back to Para. Um, <laughs> you know, top four. That's where we needed to be. We got two bites of the cherry, three games, and we are in. Well, three games and we've won it all. Um, three wins rather. So, um, you know. And we get to round one against Penrith. We've been there twice this season. We beat them at their home ground in, in earlier in the year. We beat them not long ago. And I know a couple of people want to say, oh, look, 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 uh, you know, um, we lost our halfback. Who's to say we don't roll up your halfback again um, in, the, in the first 20 minutes of the match and he does something fucking dumb again? Um, yeah, it didn't help and him in the on home. the back of that, look at that team. Like I, I know um, you say, oh, they're fresh. Uh, they rested everybody last week. But you've also got, they haven't actually played any game time together for, what, the last five weeks. And um, outside of two or three games, we we do know that their halfback has a tendency to uh, to go very quiet in these big games. So we, we um, I don't the think there's any real fear coming for, for us. We went to their house and beat him in the short turnaround at Darwin with their full strength team. With our you know seven strength back line, seven string back line, you know the the boys have to be brimming to the absolute top with confidence coming into this game. They're you know I'm not going to say they're fully fit because at this time of year probably carrying niggles here and there. It's the nature of a, a 25 round of growing you know contact sport. But yeah, they've got to come into this game the same way South Sydney did against us a few weeks back. You know, knowing they've got the psychological advantage, we have that now. Let's go in there and kick their asses. Yeah, we know we can beat them. Definitely, we can beat them. Um, all right, well, let's jump into first uh, preview. So let's start with the NRLW first. Oh. Um, oh you, news. Yeah, Did news. we have any real big news items? Well, there was one that's going to be part, directly part of the preview. The uh, NRL has decided that suspensions don't have to be served concurrent to the, the actual week of the season that they've been uh, officiated on. Taylor May now free to serve a two-game suspension in 2023. Because they, and I quote the NRL, or paraphrase NRL, they didn't want to impact Penrith's finals. That is literally what they say shit. in their presser, that they don't want to impact Penrith's finals. What about Parramatta's finals? You know, what about the can of worms have opened up now about any player with a looming big game? If we're taking on the Melbourne Storm next year and Junior Paulo or Junior Barlow, sorry, gets suspended, you know, or would be suspended for, you know, some sort of high contact, how, why can't we just say, well, this is a big game coming up. We're going to have him serve it against the Tigers or Titans next time, you know, instead of, instead of you know, missing the game against Melbourne. Absolute insanity. 
And like I said, you know, hinting at if that uh, NRLW review that we did, it's becoming more and more apparent, if not outright in black and white here, that there is absolutely favoritism in the NRL. The Penrith Panthers are their darlings, and they're going to protect them no matter what. That's my yeah. Opinion. It's it's absolutely pathetic. That that's um, it's never had any favoritism. Nothing like this has ever happened before. And to to have something like that happen, it, it just brings the whole game into disrepute. But you know what? This is incredible bulletin board material for the Parramatta Eels. They know that they're battling both the Panthers and the NRL this week, and hopefully that fires them up even more. And you know what? I would rather the, I would rather the NRL come out and said, we've seen the footage, we've seen the conviction, over there because there's no conviction recorded. We've seen it. We don't believe it's worth a suspension. I'd rather them come out yeah, and say it's Yeah, just BS, BS is that way, 100%, than with this you know, can of worms that they've opened because now uh, where, where, where does it stop? Like the, this sets in a, an incredibly dangerous precedent for the NRL. And like I said, it, it makes it more and more clear than ever that there is legitimate bias in this code, unfortunately. Curious, right? Let's just say, what's stopping this? What's stopping the precedent for, say, performance enhancing drugs? It's off field. You know, what if he say, let me just get on Coke for this, you know, for the final series, you know, or get on the roids and I'll serve my suspension next year? Like, what kind, you know, uh, that young the, Sharks the only, player? The thing different there is, well, I suppose. It's only different if you actually get caught by uh, WADA or Sports Integrity Australia. They yeah. the, the NRL actually conforms to uh, World Anti-Doping Association guidelines when it comes to punishment for that. So if they if you get caught on a an official SIA test, the punishment's outside of the NRL's hands. But if you get caught in house, then absolutely, but you could you got an, you got an argument there. If they get caught in house for drug cheating, uh, then they could absolutely say, well, you know what, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just surf my suspension. Next year after the finals, so let me. Yeah, like Caelan Ponga. Like let's say, say, let's just say they catch him again, and you know, supposedly in a in a bathroom store again, and he you know t- fails the second drug test because we don't know until they fail the second. What if he says, "Oh, I'll serve it next year, the first six weeks," because it's it's just it, slips, it sets up a slippery, you know, uh, you know, it's just it's just so dodgy. Like, is he guilty or not guilty? That's what you got to figure it out. He's guilty. Here's your here's your punishment. Not oh, you're guilty, but we'll let you you know get away with it. It's just. It's bad. No, he's definitely guilty, but a lot of first-time offenders, they won't um, proceed to sentence. Yeah, the judge was actually quite uh, strident in his closing statements. He took he, he laid into Taiwan too. So I, I was surprised that the the final sentence was so light. But like you said, Hamish, first-time offender in, in the eyes of the courts, so they do have some leniency there. But yeah, the judge was not impressed with the actions. Um, all right, seeing what else... Uh, is there any other news, or is that the, I mean, the major one? I mean, if we want to keep having a gripe, well, Trell Mitchell's painting himself as a martyr. It's never his fault. Uh, and there's some uh, signings across the, the code that don't really impact us. The Warriors are releasing 15 of their squad, their top squad, at, uh, at completion of this season. Crazy. So they're, they're what, about the conf- what about the confirmed departures? Uh, I know a couple of names surprised us. Um, Hayes Perham? Um well, Hay- like, Hayes was rumoured to have been courted by the West Tigers as a sweetener for ice because they're good mates to come across. So I wouldn't be surprised if him landed in uh, the orange and black next year. Uh, but, yeah, outside of that, who was on that? Like, I took a picture of it. Who was on there, boys? Hayes, Perham, Ice, Tom, Opicic. Uh, Reed, Murata. Reed, Murata. Yeah. So no no notable... Uh, oh, Hollis. Dave Hollis, yes. Uh, yeah. who, I, who I believe is uh, stepping back from rugby league for the time being. Um, yeah, and a lot of everything that's happened to his family farm with the uh, like the non-stop flooding. So I understand that there. Uh, yeah, so no other notable losses to the extended squad, I suppose. Like guys that are you know battling for spots next year. So 
Yeah, Perrin, the big one there that we uh, hadn't necessarily counted on, but it makes sense in the context of the West Tigers connection there. Be interesting to see if he does land over there next year. And then outside of that, boys, I think, I think, well, I mean, we don't need to spend any time on it. We can just point and laugh the, the drama that is the Manly Seagulls. Half the team not turning up to the Mad Monday celebrations as that wedge. That's just, that's just so ridiculous at this point, and it's so good seeing Manly There's, in that chaos. <laughs> the, the, you remember the old Parramatta factional stuff? Well, the Manly factional stuff has got them covered right now. The Fultons, the Taboyeviches, the Pens. Uh, the Pens. There's multiple different factions all vying for power here. The Fultons are all in on Josh Schuster because old Bozo Fulton anointed him a future Manly captain. The Taboyeviches seem to be in the middle of all this as the, uh, I wouldn't say neutral, but as the maybe neutral good sort of faction. You've got uh, DCE being hung out now because he had a house for himself when they went into the bubble last year. Oh, my goodness. This is literally Days of Your Lives, NRL edition, and it is glorious. Wow. Uh, That's right. Let's just say, if Josh Schuster wanted to come back to us and we can get him fit, would you guys entertain the possibility of having him on the bench? No. no. Prior to to the... Prior to the the Pride jersey debacle, I would have entertained it. But the fact that he's played this entire season clearly out of shape, uh, refuses to learn how to pass by looking at someone and insists on doing the no-look pass, even when it's you know clearly not going to work consistently. Uh, there, there are so many red flags there. Uh, I hope that we would never consider him. Yeah, I don't think we would. I th- I th- yeah, what can you do at this point? He's, uh, he's certainly burned his stock. Um, all right, did we want to jump into the NRLW? Let's do it. All right, well, it's starting off. Uh, well, sorry, I shouldn't say starting off. It's the second game uh, for the Eels on the weekend. Um, but 105, Saturday, 10th of September on 9, KO Fox. Uh, played at Amy um, mm. down in Melbourne. Um, Titans in sixth, taking the Eels in fifth. So both these teams without a win this year. So looking for their first win. Uh, let's have a look. It's an it unchanged seems pretty team, full strength for the Eels team. Yeah. Unchanged team from the one that took on Newcastle, uh, factoring the, uh, the late change last week for Ruben Cherrington making her debut. So, yeah, Eels with week-to-week consistency here, which is good to see. Now it's time to go out and get that result. And it's, uh, it's good to see uh, Brooke Morgan Walker on the extended bench too. Um, hopefully she – I thought she had some good uh, touches in the first game, so hopefully she can maybe even find a way on the bench to play a utility role. Yeah, so um, have a looking at uh, at these team lists. Titans went and uh, bought up big in the off season, but it hasn't really paid off. Um, whereas I guess we sort of added by subtraction, um, you know, new fullback because our old fullback had the uh, uh, the knee injury. Um, but you know, I think our squad they've had three games together now. They've probably played the three big um, big guns in this competition uh, in the Dragons, the Roosters, and the Knights, um, and they've taken, you know, I know they got smashed in the in the back end. Well, sorry, they had a score put on them in the back end of the Roosters game, but they've they've been competitive in, in all three of those games, so I can see them really um, getting on top of the Titans in this match if they bring their A game. And right now, technically speaking, I, I mean, the Destiny, I wouldn't say, is 100% in their own hands, but a big win here into a win over the Broncos means that they still have a, a strong claim towards that final spot for the finals. So getting the job done the next two weeks, starting with the big win over the Titans is huge. Get that for and against, trending back the right way, and then take care against take care of business against Brisbane next week, and suddenly you're right in the thick of it again. Because uh, the fact that we have the head-to-head game against Brisbane means they cannot get to three wins uh, without beating us, that is. So that that's the key thing there. 
yeah, got to get a win against them. Um, all right, well, let's jump into the premier uh, match of the weekend. First taking on fourth, Panthers taking on Eels out at Penrith Park Friday, the 9th of September, 7.50 p.m. M 9K of Foxtel. It is already a sellout, so if you don't have a ticket, uh, too bad. I did get the two family tickets, but I've given one away um, to uh, somebody on the Discord today. So um, let's have a look at these lineups for Penrith. Dylan Edwards at fullback. Taylor May and Brian Toto on the wings. Isaac Tago and Stephen Crichton at centre. Jerome Luai, Nathan Cleary in the halves. In the forwards, Moses Leoto, James Fisher-Harris, Appy Coruscant at hooker. Billy Army kick-out, Liam Martin uh, in the second row is I Yo at lock. Then the interchange bench, Mitch Kenny, Scott Sorensen, Spencer Le- Lenew, uh, Jamin Salmon, extended bench, Charlie Staines, Matt Eisenhuth, Jermaine Hopgood, Sean O'Sullivan, Chris Smith. Then for the Eels at fullback and captain is Clint Gutherson on the wings, Maker Sebo, Wonga Blake. In the centres, Will Penasini, Tom Opacic. Halves are Dill Brown, Mitch Moses. Forwards, Regan Campbell Gillard and Junior Paulo, Reed Marnie at hooker. Sean Lane as I Papa Lee in the second row, Ryan Matt. Madison at lock, Makahesi Makatoa, Jake Arthur, Oregon Kafusi, Emirate Kore on the bench. Extended bench, Nathan Brown, Bailey Simonson, Bryce Cartwright, Offahiggy, Ogden and Kai Rodwell. Um, I saw some news out. Lenu, apparently he was nursing a bit of injury um, in the Penrith camp. So potentially there'll be a change on their interchange I mean, bench. Um, yes. For us, we're expecting the, the regular change of Murata starting and Ryan on the bench. Is that right? Yes. And and not to make this come back and bite us on the backside, but Lenu is a bit whatever. He's not part of the, the core penner forwards that have been so dominant. In, in fact, if anything, he's probably been a bit of a disappointment given how many raps there were on him coming out of the juniors. But uh, Leota and Fisher-Harris and Yo really make that you know, Andrew tick with uh, Viliama Kikau being... You know, finally living up to his billing this year and being a, a true, you know, player, a dominant player on both sides of the ball. All right, who wants to start off, Birdie? Birdie, start with you. Oh, yeah, no, I'm confident we're going to win this game. You know, we've got their measure. Um, if it wasn't for that, you know, that stupid game last year, we should, you know, we should, we should have pretty much made the grand final, in my opinion. But um, I just feel as our forwards, you know, Reg and Junior, they just they can withstand Penrith's uh, pressure. You know, we know Penrith like to, you know, their defensive line is the quickest in the NRL, yet somehow doesn't get penalised. But we just withstand their pressure. And I don't know. So the first time we versed them, you know, we, we did a couple of those unders and, you know, cut across, you know, pretty much to negate their Russian defence. And then the second time, we will just brutality. So we, we, we could play them uh, two different styles and still get the results. So, you know, um, I, I'd like to see we continue with Murata um, starting. Um, it just, look, and I'm not hating on Jake Arthur. I just feel as though another four, like even like a Nathan Brown or an Ogden on the bench or Rodwell, like something just, you know, because if we need some, like, you know, better punch off the bench, like the only, like Jake Arthur came on against Melbourne in the last 10, 15 minutes when the result was pretty much, or should have been over. Uh, other than that, I just feel as though we're wasting a bench spot there. Um, but look, I think we're going to win, win by one or two points, in my opinion. So um, yeah, I feel as though... First try score, I'm going to do it early. Uh, I think Sean Lane. I th- he, you know, he's been in fine form all year, but specifically the last four weeks, he's been like, you know, running a lot, getting a lot of few, racking up the line break numbers, you know, even the try assists. I just feel as though he, he's primed for a big game. And um, yeah, I feel as though we went by one or two points, 24, sorry, 25-24. Right, on to you, uh, 40. Yeah, I think there's been a couple of constants, constants in our uh, not just against Penrith, but in particular against Penrith, but against any of the quality teams that we've knocked off this year. Obviously, it starts with the forwards, their ability to 
know, absorb so much pressure throughout the early exchanges and not always win those early exchanges, but keep us in the hunt before rolling the opposition team in the back end of the game, going hand-in-hand if that is Mitchell Moses' long kicking game, which is, you know, up there, if not the best in the NRL. Those two have always been so critical for us in games where we haven't always had the ascendancy through early exchanges to get back into the contest and win. And the other thing that really has stood out to me in these games, in these you know big-time games, is our back rowers. And Bertie already gave Sean Lane a mention, but to uh, Ice Papali'i, he's been just as important as well. Contrasting styles. One is just a, an out-and-out sledgehammer in ice. And you know Lane generates huge post-contact meters, but he brings some incredible nuance to his game and to the Parramatta Eels game as well. And I think that those two have a knack of being in the right place at the right time in these big contests. Lane set Reed Marnie up against Penrith when we first met them way back after that Darwin game. And that was one of the critical tries or penalty try in that particular contest. Yeah, I just think that those guys collectively are good. And I think the other player, and he's rounded form into the right time of the year, he looks back to his best. It's Quinton Gufferson. Defensively, he's just eating up everything right now. He, if it's a line break, you just know he's going to save it. If it's a kick, you know he's going to be there to get there in time and, and either catch it or bat it dead. And I think he's just starting to add or get back to you know that full repertoire of attacking skills um, obviously the huge cutout passes, the kicks have been a little bit better lately, the backing up's been better. I just think between those guys, that's where it's going to be won or lost for the Parramatta Eels, outside of any third-party influence like the referees or the bunker having an absolute shocker, which certainly is in the realms of possibility based on what we've seen recently. Not it just seems in, a certain at this point. Yeah. Well, yeah, not just in NRLW, but yeah, there's been a number of head scratches in the NRL across the last couple of weeks that make you think that between obstruction or some of the other missed stuff that they're doing, there's going to be a terrible call or missed call that is going to have a huge impact on some team in the finals. Knock on wood, it's not Parramatta. Like Birdie, I'm tipping them to get the win this week, make it 3-0 or unofficially 4-0, including the preseason against the Penrith Panthers. I can't see us winning big. It just They're too good. Uh, but Birdie went 25-24. I think it'll probably be about 24-20. First try scorer. Ooh. Ooh. Sean Lane's a good one, Birdie. I'm going to go with... Uh, I'll go to the other back row as I properly. Yeah. Yeah, look, big game. You can say all you want. The boys have already said it before. I think they're going to come out. I think I think the one thing that might be in our favour in this game is their Cleary coming back from being sent off against us tackling Dylan Brown. Uh, Luai playing one game of the past five rounds. Um, them resting, us beating them twice, unofficially three times. Um, I think they might come out too hard. I think they might, that opening half, we've just got to absorb their pressure. I think there'll also be a few errors from them. I think they'll try and play too fast, too hard, try too quick with with that bit of, you know, I won't say, not necessarily rust because they've been playing together for five years now, five seasons together, if you include all their juniors or whatever, five full seasons or whatever. Um but it'll take some time to set into that big game feel environment. And as Hamish said earlier, that, you know, Cleary tends to go hiding in these big matches. He's not a big game play, sort of mentally not up to it. So hopefully that continues <laughs> um, and we can just hold him. But look, if I've got knots in my stomach right now. If you don't have knots in your stomach right now as a Parramatta fan, whether you it's from excitement, nervousness, whatever feeling you have, and it's all mixed together and you don't feel it in your tummy, then I don't know what's going to get you off because this is 
this is what you this is what you're a paramount of this is what you're a fan for of rugby league is you come up to these big matches where it should be played at the biggest stadium that's for another time uh it's a it's a local rivalry it's it's just a big match and it's going to be tough Saying that, I think you know. I'm saying I think Parramatta will win. Of course, I'm going to say I think Parramatta will win. A Parramatta fan, a Parramatta podcast. Parramatta to win eight to four. <laughs> I mean, that's shades of last year. That eight actually four. eight six it was eight six last yeah. year. Indeed, yeah. First play is a Parramatta penalty goal. The final score will be a Parramatta try to Dylan Brown. First and last try scorer. No, no, no. First play, play, scoring play will be a penalty goal. Penrith will score a try, which they'll miss the conversion on. Parramatta to score a try off a Mitchell Moses bomb, a la like we did at Penrith Park earlier this year where Dylan waited for the bounce. Well, there Dylan can't fucking catch Mitchell Moses' bombs. He just refuses to or is scared of them. So bounce straight into our Dylan's hands. And then he's going to look up, see the troll line, go, oh shit, Brian thought I was in front of me, and then score again. It's going to be very, it's going to be like a mirror image. All right. Well, for me, uh, I'm going to say tight affair as well. Eels 18, Penrith 16. Uh, first try scorer, uh, I'm going to go Penasini. Uh, he's, he's been in fantastic form at the, at the back end of this season. Um, I think just about everybody in the team has been in, in pretty good form um, the last couple of games. Uh, it, it usually makes a difference when you do win. Um, but uh, <laughs> I don't think there's too many players that you can sort of look at and say what's happened. Like, you know, I was reading the article with Gutho earlier today where he's saying, you know, the, the, this year he's actually listened to the coaching staff and held himself back um, when they've been telling him to. Because um, I think in the past he's been maybe um, guilty of... Uh, trying to do too much mm-hmm. uh, either at training or on the field and uh, burning out towards the end of the season. And I think we're all a bit critical of him in the middle period it, Isn't of the it season, funny? Like, but it seems to have worked. Yeah, we, we actually started laying into him a bit because it seemed like he was so unguffo-like for that stretch then. And now, but we also said maybe, we, we did speculate that maybe with that preseason article that came out about how the Eels going to pace themselves better, maybe that was what was at play. And lo and behold, it was. So uh, give ourselves a little pat in the back there and – um, it is nice just to see Garfo back to his best and knowing that there was a plan there, it makes it even better. Yeah, exactly. And it seems this this has been, I think I've been saying it throughout the season, this team has been looking forward to the finals the whole year. Um, and that's probably why there's been those symptoms of not showing up game to game. Um, but they've done enough to get into the top four and now the real season begins for them. So they've got to be switched on for... Hopefully it's just the next three games. Um, uh, you know, they lose this week, they still get another crack, but um, and they'll be playing at home. Um, but really, you know, I think if we win this week, uh, we're right up there with Penrith um, uh, f- for eventual premiership. If you can go to the big dog, the most consistent team over the last two two seasons, the the defending premier in their backyard and beat them and beat the shit out of them. Um, and win three games over them in one season. Um, uh, and putting aside, we should have beat them in that finals game last year, but for some ab- abhorrent refereeing. And also, uh, we were down to our fourth string hooker. This year, we've got two teams that are both seemingly to be full full strength, pretty much. I know we're, we're missing Stone, but we've been without Stoney for the year. Um, and I think the, the back line uh, moves that, that 
Brad Arthur's made since uh, since what about the halfway point of the year, having uh, Wanger on the wing. That's that's probably made the team as strong as it can be. Um, so two two teams full strength, uh, battle of the West out of Penrith. Um, fuck, it's going to be a ripper game. And one, glad to be out there. One thing we didn't mention in the news section was the NRL captain score for the finals is on today. And as you know, there was a series of questions asked by Daily Telegraph journalists there about you know home venues and all that sort of stuff. But they asked, who do you see your team playing in the final this year? And as expected, the majority of responses were towards Penrith because they are the reigning premiers, incredibly dominant, you know, minor premiers, runaway minor premiers. But the only team outside of Penrith's Isaiah Yo, who said the Roosters, for whatever reason, uh, that that's his prerogative. But the only team outside of Yo saying the the Roosters, the only team that was featured as a non-Penrith team and came up twice by the Raiders and the Roosters was the Parramatta Reels. So the opposition teams got their their eyes over their shoulders looking at us now. Uh, Teddy actually went so far as to say that he thinks that Mitchell Moses might be the player of the finals, and he also acknowledged that he thinks we'll probably play Penrith or Parramatta ahead of the grand final, the way the draw works. Uh, so it would be Melbourne, if not them. But, yeah, te- teams are standing up and taking notice of us. So it is time for our, our boys to stand up and deliver. You know, not, not for just the fans, but for themselves. Because this has been a process years in the making now. They've, they've built and built year on year. And while the memes are not getting out of the second week of the finals are there, there was a huge improvement last year. And now they're primed. They've come into the finals the best they've ever done. They're fully fit. There is no bizarre injury series of uh, a dummy half this time or any position. If anybody uh, gets caught with fucking peds, I'm going to murder them. Yes. Well, <laughs> yes. The, hopefully, knock on wood, there is no Michael Jennings bullshit ahead of a sudden death final this time. But yeah, they they have made up for that inconsistent regular season by timing their run to perfection. Now, they're literally one game away from a grand final qualifier. Three games is all that's left in the bank for them to have to win. I said the 60s on our pod, on the, the tip sheet podcast, going into the last two rounds, it's 160 minutes to book your spot in the top four. Now it's just 240 minutes and you immortalize yourselves. If you are the team that breaks the drought for the Parramatta Eels, you go down in history bigger than almost any other team in the modern era. So go out there and get that immortality, boys. The breaks a bit, I think. We've got, one, we've got, we've got Friday to do first before we think about grand finals. I mean, like this season, right? We've had the highs of the highs and the lows of lows. All will be forgiven if you give us your, if they give us their three best games mm-hmm. this final series. Just give us your three best games. We're talking eighty minute performances. All will be forgiven. All the shit I talked about you. All the you know saying times I said Brad Arthur has to go. Everything will be forgiven and forgotten because just give us three weeks or three games. That's all we need. I said four a couple of weeks ago because I thought we'd be you know fifth, but three weeks. That's it. Three games, three wins, three wins, and you're done. Um, you know, one win here and, and you're through to the point. And they'll never have to buy a beer or a meal ever again in Parramatta. Amish <laughs> will shout you a Palmer. Oh, shout everyone oh, a Palmer. No, not every or maybe the team. But dead set, I think I'd probably follow them around just going, nah, I'll pay for it. So I'll pay for it. <laughs> this drink's on me. Yep, this this yeah. on me. All right. Well, uh, I think we might wrap it up there. Uh two more sleeps or when this comes out probably Wednesday morning yeah so Wednesday night Thursday night two more sleeps who's sleeping and, uh, I'm not sleeping exactly <laughs> no he's got the, the finals fever <laughs> you, you, you and all the uh, the meth heads of Penrith uh, are ready <laughs> and amped oh I'm stoked I'm not even going because I refuse to go to Penrith so <laughs> the pregame meetup at uh, Penrith uh, shops We'll get a gabber on. Get a, get a crispy cream each. Yeah. <laughs>
All right, we're on that uh, high note. Go, Parramatta. Get this done. Get this first week out of the way and get yourself one week break um, and go and give it to uh, last year's defending premiers. Go, go Parra. Go, the Eels. Thanks. Thank you.